How many people are expectant tonight? That's a good start. Can I ask, just before we continue here, how many people tonight are in need of a miracle? Is this a little miracle or is this I'm desperate for one? <laughs> Look around, guys. Look around. If you're in need of a miracle, I want you to put your hand up. Don't be shy. Jesus wasn't. How many people tonight, keep your hands up. How many people tonight are in need of, of deliverance from what's tormenting their minds? Good man. I'm thankful. Thankful for people that are honest already. They're going to put their hands up and say, I need freedom. How many people need Jesus to move in their situations tonight and set them free and transform their tomorrow? If that's you, put your hand up. Saints, thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your honesty. You see, tonight I just want to share a few thoughts with you. I'm going to go through some things that the Lord's been speaking to me on this week. But before I start, I just want to read a little bit from 2 Samuel. I'm going to be reading from a lot of different places tonight, all over the show. <laughs> and the part of 2 Samuel I'm going to read from, well, sorry, 1 Samuel, chapter 17. And I'm just going to be reading one line out of verse 26. You see, that when David has come to the front line of the battle, he's come to see his brothers, he's come to see the people who are on the front line, he's come to deliver supplies to his family. And we know the account of what's written here. We know the account. When David comes to the front line, and when he comes to the front line, there is Goliath waiting on the other side, and he's coming out and he's roaring challenges against the people of God. And he's roaring and telling them, who do you think you are? I always would say when I was growing up, come and have a go, if you think you're hard enough. <laughs> And I want to ask you tonight, how many of us can see ourselves like Israel on the front line, quaking behind our shield, going, he's not talking to me. He isn't talking to me. I'm not going to answer that call. I'm not going to be the one that stands, and I'm not going to be the one that goes out. Or how many of us are going to be like this young shepherd boy that came along, and he said these words. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that should defy the armies of the living God? You see, friends, David carried an offense as soon as he heard this challenge being shouted out. As Goliath was coming saying that you are the armies of God. You are the armies. You're the ones that are being called. You're the ones who carry God, the God of all things. The God of everything. You are the ones who represent Him. Will nobody fight me? One boy carried the offence. One boy was offended to his very core. 
Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the Lord? I want to tell you, friends, the Lord's causing me to be offended. <laughs> He's causing me to be offended. He's causing me to carry an offence that, 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 that the forces of darkness in this land would stand and they would issue challenges to the church of God. They would issue challenges before the people of God. I want to tell you that I'm offended that, that these things exist in our land today. Who are these uncircumcised Philistines that they should challenge and defile the living God? Amen? Amen. Come on. Do you know something? There's a fantastic, fantastic promise. And this is what we're going to see. At the end of time, when Jesus has called all the nations to himself, and we stood before his great white throne. This is what Isaiah says that we will see. And you'll find this promise in chapter 15 of I 14, chapter 14 of Isaiah. And it's verse 16, and it says this: Those who will see you will gaze at you. It's talking about Satan. Those who will see you, they will gaze at you. And they will consider you and say, Is this the man who made the earth tremble and who shook kingdoms? Can you not hear the disdain in the voice? Is that him? Is that him? Because you see, we can look on that day and we're going to see Jesus in all of his glory. Jesus risen. Jesus sat on the throne. Jesus there in all of his glory. And then we're going to look at the tormentor of the nations next to, well, cast down. And we'll look at our king. The king of kings, the king whom in front of all the elders and the kings of the world will be bowed down crying, holy, holy, holy. <laughs> Is that him? Is that him? The one who shook nations, the one who caused all this torment. And tonight, I want to ask you if you can see yourself in this, in, this, in this tension, so to speak, as we see in this picture that's being painted here. Our king sat on his throne. The king of kings. The one who has got nobody like him. The one who is matchless. The one who is risen. The one who is glorified. The one who has overcome. The one who is alive and alive forevermore. And this worm of an enemy who tried to plague us with sickness, who tries to plague us with disease, who tries to plague us with, with demons, who tries to torment us. And we will look and go, is that him? 
Is that him? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would defile the church of the living God? Who is he? Who is he? Who is he? As we were in prayer this week, the Lord, he spoke to us, I think it was Wednesday morning. And he said, get ready. Get ready. I'm putting you on a war footing. And I had to start to look into what a war footing is. And we're going to look at what a war footing means for the church tonight. But first, I want you to know tonight, before we continue and before we start to go through this, the sickness that you have, the diseases that you are carrying, the things that torment you, as we've already looked at tonight, is that it? Look at who has authority. How much authority? All? Some? A little? All. Look at his authority. Look at who we, re- who we stand before. And look at who's been serving what we've been living under. Is that him? Is that him? The one who conquered everything. Who calls us his. Who calls us to live and breathe and be like him. Or the one who's already defeated. Who's already been cast down. Who's already been overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. The one who will lie, the one who will cheat, the one who will scheme. Or the one who tells the truth, the one who brings life. Who are we going to believe? Whose report are we going to believe tonight, my friends? Whose report are we going to believe tonight? I choose Jesus. I choose Jesus. I chose Jesus when I took my own hearing aids out and never put them back in. (laughs) And you know something? I even had a word with my sister as I found out that she had hearing aids the other day. She turned around and said, where are yours? I said, I took them out. She said, so can you hear now? I said, yes. Why? I said, Jesus. <laughs> she went, really? I went, really? Absolutely. She said, well, what was the condition? I said, well, strangely enough, it was deafness. <laughs> she said, did you have tinnitus as well? I said, yes, I did, in both ears. Do you know that tinnitus is not curable? It's incurable in man's way. But do you know that my Bible tells me that with him, all things are possible (laughs) and I'm a living testament that all things are possible are we ready to be put on a war footing tonight friends (laughs) you see to be on a war footing we need to be offended we need to be offended that our family that our friends are captured by that We need to be offended that people are sick. We need to be offended that people are afflicted by the demonic. We need to be offended that that people do not live in the fullness that Jesus has provided for them. Tonight, church, 
I want to tell you I'm offended. I am truly, truly offended to my core. The work of the devil disgusts me. It offends me. And tonight I intend to bring everything that he has built down in the name of Jesus. The Bible tells us this. It says the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violence take it by force. That means that the people who are intentional, the people who will grab a hold, the people who will take with two hands. And if I had three, trust me, I'd take three hands full. <laughs> and I would be grabbing and I would be moving forward. And I'm going to take this good news, this good news of the kingdom to every corner of the globe where I can get to. And I'm going to tell people about Jesus. I'm going to see people set free. I'm going to see people delivered. I'm going to see people made whole. Why? Because the blood of Jesus today carries as much power as it did when it was first spilt on Calvary. Friends, he's putting us on a war footing. He's putting us on a war footing. Tonight, he's going to be, he's going to be making us a little bit upset. Tonight is going to be causing us to get offended. Tonight is going to be causing us to start to be a little bit militant. Tonight is going to cause us to start shifting, to start shaking, and to start moving the things that are around us that seemed immovable. I can't open that. <laughs> Thank you. I think Lucy's a great, everyone should have one. <laughs> we'll get your own, that one's mine. <laughs> so, <laughs> if we're put on a war footing first, I want you to know, it's not always good news when it's like this. All leave is cancelled. <laughs> you see, when the, when the country comes to a point of where there, there is a, a state of readiness for war, this is what a war footing means. It means that there's a battle to come and that we've got to be ready to fight the battle. There's a battle, there's a stirring, there's a fight to be had. I've come dressed for it. <laughs> there's a fight to be had. There's a battle to be won. There's a battle to be prepared for. All leave gets cancelled. If you've got an army, all the leave of the army is cancelled. Nobody's getting a break. Yeah. Do you know when I believe that revival is coming? Yeah. I believe that this country will see revival. I believe it with all my heart. And do you know something? When I believe, when I see what revival actually looks like, when I look back to 1904, did something happen here in 1904? <laughs> it far too long ago. Far too long ago. It wasn't a time of happy, happy. It was a time of work, work. Yeah. Revival is work. Yeah. Revival is hard work. Yeah. Revival is uncomfortable. Revival costs. All leave is cancelled. Nobody gets a day off. Everybody needs to be accountable. Everybody needs to be ready to stand in and, and fight the good fight. 
Matthew 9 tells us this, and it come, I know I'm never ever pretty much preach a message without bringing this into it. It says that the fields are white unto harvest, but the laborers are few. It says, pray that the Lord of the harvest would thrust out. In fact, I love sometimes that the way that the New King James is very polite, where it says to thrust out. You see, because when you actually take it back to the original Greek, what it's written in, it doesn't say thrust out. It says ejected. It says thrown out. Pray the Lord of the harvest that he will throw out laborers. Who's comfortable? (laughs) Who's uncomfortable? You don't know what to answer, do you? (laughs) Pray the Lord of the harvest to throw out the laborers. Why does he need throwing out? Because the harvest is talking in urgency. This is a time of urgency, friends. This is not the Weetabix box time. Where it's all nice and golden brown. It's that the fields are white. White unto harvest. White unto harvest. It means that the harvest, the stalks on the harvest, sorry, June, are so, so dry, so brittle. It says that the seed heads couldn't be any more ripe. It says that it's time. The urgency is here. It's about to go back to seed to be trampled into the ground and be lost. Pray. Pray. Pray the Lord of the harvest, throw out. Throw out the laborers. Pray the Lord of the harvest, throw you out. I pray the Lord of the harvest makes you uncomfortable. I pray that he wakes you up at three o'clock in the morning. I pray that he causes you to have sleepless nights. I pray that he causes you to do strange things that would cause you to be made uncomfortable and get you called a weirdo by everybody you live near. When the Lord starts to stir you, it will make you unpopular with people who are religious. It will make you unpopular with those who do church. I'm sick of doing church. I want to do kingdom. I want to do what his kingdom's about. I know that when Lucy and I, we started to get uncomfortable, we started to take the gospel out of the building into the city centre, it made us unpopular. People in our church didn't like what we was doing. People in our town didn't like what we was doing. We came back and we was having great testimonies of people that were being healed on the streets. We came back having great testimonies of demons screaming out of people in the middle of Piccadilly Gardens. And we was having people in our churches that we was going to going, that's nice. That's not nice! (laughs) That's the kingdom of God at work. That's amazing. That's a miracle. That's the foundations of revival. Friends, let me tell you this. Write this down. Great 
deeds follow simple obedience. We went out there because of obedience to what the Lord was telling us. We saw great things. Great things are always the back of simple, simple obedience. Whatever the Lord... In fact, let me just scratch that comment. I was going to say, whatever the Lord asks. <coughs> That's a bit of a misnomer. You see, my Jesus is a king. Who's Jesus in here is a king? Can I ask you to now, now, never ever to turn around and say, the Lord has asked me to do anything again. My king doesn't ask, he commands. <laughs> he never asked me to do anything, he just told me. I think we're shooting some holy cows tonight, Wade. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Come on. Do you know that when you start to say yes, Jesus will make you do greater things than you could think possible? Do you know that when the Lord is with you, no man can be against you? Do you know that when the Lord is moving through you, a thousand men couldn't stop you? You might say, this is a big statement. Let me tell you, it's actually biblical. It's biblical. comes from 12, 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 14. It's talking about David's captains. David's mighty men. And it says of them, it says this, it says, the least of them, was equal to and greater than 100 men in battle. So the least of you, the ones who would consider yourselves the least, the Lord considers you equal to and greater than 100 fighting men. So the least of you now, I just want you to give you a... a, a I want yourself to sort of like just tell yourself in Jesus... I'm hard. <laughs> it's the truth. And then it goes on to say, and the greatest of these men were equal to and greater than a thousand men. A thousand men armed with swords. A thousand men armed with, with shields with full battle gear. If you consider yourself one of the greatest, come and pray for me. <laughs> when we're put on a war foot in friends, the next thing that's released is this, the war chest. <laughs> the war chest it's a release of resources a release of extraordinary resources reserves that have been put aside for emergency Amen. let me tell you church these are the days of emergency the lost are still lost the grave is still hungry it's never full
I'm sure I told you of the vision that the Lord showed me, the ground being lifted up, people marching headlong, crawling over one another, fighting, leapfrogging each other, worshipping their way. No, sister, this is not amen. Worshipping their way into the abyss. grave's never full. The grave's appetite is never satisfied. This is a time of emergency. You know, there's more people on the planet now than there's ever been in the history of mankind. The more that we actually don't share the gospel, that's more and more people exponentially that are just being destroyed. They're going headlong into hell. The more we shut this, the more we see of this. Get in. Get in. I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm just trying to tell the truth. It's an emergency. There is an emergency on planet Earth and the emergency is the people are dying without hearing the gospel. People are going to the grave without knowing the truth. People are coming to meet judgment and they never knew that their price, their debt had been paid. Because the church has been silent too long, too long, too long. The war chest is being made available. Extraordinary resources are being made available. Isaiah 64 verse 1 talks about the heavens being rendered. So when you come, would you rend the heavens? Do you know what to rend the heavens actually means? It means to rip them open. It means to tear them. It means to take like a blade and run it all the way down a cloth. If I was to rend this cloth, I would cut it down there. I would cut it down here. And to rend it properly, I would cut it across as well. So it could never be put back together and could never be useful for what it was before. When Jesus came, the heavens were rend. When Jesus came, the heavens were opened, never, never, never to be sealed again. There is an open heaven above you. There is an open heaven above this nation. There is an open heaven above the UK. Heaven is open. And if heaven is open... then blessings will fall. If heaven is open, all the resources of heaven are open to us. Let me tell you, and I know that many people here, every time that evangelists get up, they're asking for money. When every time that evangelists start to open their mouth, money and something about prosperity will come out. Let me tell you this, and this is the truth. My God is not short of cash. (laughs) 
And if you like your money, keep it. You get it from somewhere else. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> the heavens are open. The war chest is open. The war chest is being made available. You know that Luke 10 tells us when Jesus sent out the 72, he said to them, he said, go. He said, take with you neither money bag, neither spare cloak. Take nothing with you. Just go. Just go. Everything you need will be provided for you. When you meet the man of peace, everything you need will be provided for you. When we're on a war footing, provision is made for making war. When we're on a war footing, provision is, me, is made for meeting our needs. You see, Jesus called us ambassadors. Did he not? He did. Do you know what an ambassador does? He represents a different government. He represents a different nation. The nation that I represent has a king. And he was crucified. And he died. And he was buried. And he was raised back to life. And he is alive today. He is short on nothing. He has gone back to live with the Father. His land and his rule know no end. There is nobody like him. He is the king which every king will bow down to. And he says that I represent his nation. He says that when I speak, I speak on behalf of his nation. And that when I speak, I'm writing checks that can only be backed by the blood of the one who's signing them. <laughs> signed in crimson, JC. When Elijah had defeated the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, he was taken. Well, he ran away into the wilderness. He was fed by ravens. The Lord is no man's debtor, my friends. When you will put yourself into his service, when you will put yourself into that yes, when you will put yourself into that place of I'm going to go, forward and I'm pursuing the one who's calling me the Lord is no man's debtor he will meet you at your point of need he makes provision the war chest is open The next thing that we want to look at that's released tonight, and we may go on to some of this again in the weekend, but the next thing that we want to look at tonight, because I want to, I want to start to pray for people. I think the Lord's starting to stir people here already. Is that there is a release of powers. Extra powers, special powers. Executive orders. 
emergency powers that are granted to those who are waging war. Joel 2 and Isaiah 2 tell us in that day and that day's happened that day's long past but today is still that day he says I will not I may I could for the elect I will he says I will pour out my spirit on some flesh He says, I will pour out my spirit upon Pastor Wade. Amen. (laughs) He says, and I will pour out my spirit on all my men servants. Amen, I'll take choice. (laughs) He says, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Can somebody in here tell me who's excluded from that? No one. No one. I love the simple gospel. It makes so much sense, doesn't it? <laughs> I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and he will give us, he will be, he will make us to be able to do things that we would never be able to do. He will make us an exceptional people that will do exploits, that will rock villages and will rock towns and will rock different parts of the world. Do you know something, my friends? A few years ago, I was in Argentina. I was in Argentina with a friend of mine. And as we was in Argentina, we was was in a place just outside of a city called Santiago del Estero. It's one of the poorest and oldest cities in Argentina. And we was going through this, this, I'd like to call it a town, but it was more of a street. And I would like to say I knocked on the doors, but they didn't really have any. It was a very poor place. It was a really poor place. They had towels over holes in the front of their house. You couldn't knock on the doors. You had to walk up and go... And somebody would twitch the towel and, and, and speak to you. When the Spirit of the Lord starts to move, and when He starts to, to stir us, do you know that nothing becomes impossible? I want to give you a quick account of two hours' time. It won't take two hours to give you the account. <coughs> you see, we got took to this street by a guy called Oscar. Oscar was a guy who was working in this area. He had a church set up there. Next to his church, there was an Umbanda temple. We wanted to go and preach in the Umbanda temple. He said, you're not going in there. We said, why not? We definitely want to go in. He said, no, he wouldn't, he wouldn't allow it. And I had to respect his wishes at that time. If I ever go back, I'm going in. Umbanda is a witchcraft. Umbanda is something that that people are bound to. Umbanda is something that keeps people in bondage. It actually does work. But it's not working by the power. It's working by a power. A demonic power. A power that costs. A power that will give something temporarily. 
When my God moves, he moves. You can't stop him. When he does things, they happen for permanent times. When he does things, they, when God's healings happen, they're real. When a demon would heal you, he would heal you and there is a cost to it. It's temporary. It will cost you. It will leave you in bondage. We went to this first door. We knocked on, on the door. A lady comes to the door. In that house, there was a lady. She'd had a stroke. She'd had a stroke that day. I didn't know nothing about it. Nobody did. We said, we're here. We're going to pray for the sick. Is there anybody sick in your house? I said, yes, there's this lady. She's had a stroke. She's my sister. I said, can we pray for her? Of course you can. We went in. We prayed for her. She started to be able to move that what was paralysed. The parts of her body that had been shut down because of the attack that had happened in her brain were being reversed as we started to pray for her. Why? Because my God is the Lord over every single stroke. My God is the God over every single limitation. That night, when we had the crusade meeting in the centre of Santiago del Estero, this lady who we'd prayed for, who'd had a stroke, who was completely immobile in the morning, I saw her in front of the platform dancing before the Lord Jesus because when he does things, he does them well. One house. More than, well, everybody in the household came to salvation. Because the Lord had moved. Next house. Next house, there was a lady and she'd been to the doctors. She'd been and she'd had an operation. She'd had an operation on her eye. We start to pray for her. All of a sudden, this lady, out of nowhere, she starts to shake like crazy, sat in her chair. I had a video of it at one point. This was an amazing video. She starts to shake like crazy. And we carry on praying. And all of a sudden she starts just going out of nowhere. As the spirit starts to move all over her. The next thing I said, I said, take the sheet off your eye right now. She took the sheet off her eye. I said, no, cover the other one. She said, I can see. You see what had happened at that moment? The doctors had done an operation. They'd done something for a detached retina. It hadn't worked. You see, the healthcare system in Argentina is nothing like the healthcare system what we have in the UK. Sometimes they'll take you to hospital on a quite frequent basis. What they will do will leave you in a worse state than when you went there. This lady, she'd come out of the hospital. Her, her eye was totally off. She couldn't see out of it. She was in great pain. The Spirit of God moved upon her. And completely set her free. Two houses. 30 minutes in. Two miracles. Two households come to Jesus. Next house. You're going to think that this was the most ill street in the world by the time that we finished. <laughs> Next house, there was, there was this man called Carlos. 
Not that Carlos. He does. This Carlos was, was a drunk. This Carlos was an alcoholic. This Carlos was a mean, mean, grump, grouchy old man. He was mean and he was grouchy because his wife had run off. His wife had run off because he was mean and grouchy. Because he was an alcoholic. He'd suffered a heart attack. He was paralysed. His legs didn't work. They were rigid and stiff. He got around his house by dragging himself around the walls. We knocked on the door. <laughs> door twitched. We come to pray for the sick. Is there anybody in here who's sick? He said, I don't want to know. I don't believe what you believe. I said, that may be true, sir, but I do. <laughs> Can we talk to your family? He said, talk to whoever you want. So we went in, we started to tell his family about the love of Jesus. A Jesus who loved them so much that, that he came. He lived like us. He lived every temptation and faced every temptation that we face. He came and he lived amongst us. He knew what it was like to be us. And ultimately, when he'd lived a life of innocence, he allowed himself to be sacrificed for us. You see, the Bible tells us this. It says that the wages of sin is death. It says, but the free gift of God is eternal life for those who are in Christ Jesus. It started to explain that everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Nobody is excluded from that. Everybody has sinned and fallen short of God's glory. But Jesus, he met the price. He met the price of our shortfallings. He met the price of our sin. He met the price of our iniquity. He met the price of our shortcomings. He met the price. He paid the price willingly because He loves you. He paid the price because He cares for you. He paid the price because you couldn't pay it yourself. You are bereft of any good thing. You may hear of things like, you need to forgive yourself. Can I tell you that forgiving yourself is nonsense? You can't forgive yourself. You have no righteousness to forgive yourself. There is only Jesus who can pronounce forgiveness over mankind. People who say you need to forgive yourself, that means that you've got guilt that you're carrying around with you, which means that you don't understand what Jesus has actually done on the cross. If you're carrying guilt around with you tonight, you need a revelation of what Jesus has done on the cross. If you carry shame around with you, you need a fresh revelation of what Jesus has done on the cross. There are people tonight in here, you carry shame around with you. You carry burdens that don't belong to you. You need a fresh revelation in your spirit of what Jesus has done.
on the cross. You see, Jesus didn't come to pay the price of some sin. Jesus came to meet the price and pay the penalty for every sin. He came to set every captive free. He came to pay everybody's debt. He came to justify everybody. To justify means to pay for, to, re- to, to give over, to settle your debts. To give you something that you couldn't do, to make you innocent. And our innocence, although it is free to receive for us, it cost Jesus everything. Everything. We told this family, just as I'm telling you tonight, that this Jesus, he hung him on the cross, naked, for all to see, hiding nothing. He cried out, Father, why have you forsaken me? What a heart-rending sentence for somebody who's never ever known a lack of communication with God to be crying out saying God why can I not hear you God why can I not see you Father where are you because as my sin was loaded upon him as your sin was loaded upon him as your guilt was loaded upon him as your sickness was loaded upon him as your shame was loaded upon him And he was taking it upon himself. The Bible tells us, it says, the eyes of God are too pure to behold sin. He couldn't look upon his own son because his own son was taking what belonged to you and what belonged to me. He took it all. Every last drop. He gave it all, every last drop. He took my sin, he took your sin with him into the grave. The grave was sealed, that's what they do with dead people. Three days passed, and on the third day, Jesus Christ proved beyond all doubt that the price of sin had been paid. You see, if I was to give you something and to say, do you want to buy that? Do you want to buy that? That's going to cost you a thousand pounds. And you give me 999 pounds, whose does it belong to? Why? It belongs to me because the price has not been paid yet. You see, if sin's price had not been paid, Jesus could not have been raised from the dead. The price would not have been paid. The very fact that three days later the tomb was empty is proof beyond all doubt Sin's price has been met. Your sin's price has been met. 
My sin's price has been met. The sin of the world has been overcome in Christ Jesus. Tonight, you might not have ever looked at it like that before. You may have been carrying this shame around with you. Tonight, you may have a fresh revelation of what the cross is all about. That night, in, well, that afternoon in Carlos's house, he'd heard a fresh revelation of what the cross was about. And when we asked his family, he said, do you want to today trust your life to Christ and, and say, I accept and I believe what he has done and I'm going to put my trust in him and I know that because of what he has done that I now have life. Life eternal. Life that cannot be taken from me. Life that overcomes. Life that is life in its fullness. And his family said, I want that. Carlos popped his head around the kitchen. And me? And you, sir. He came out. We prayed for Carlos. Carlos then He started saying in Spanish, Espíritu Santo, Espíritu Santo. He's the Holy Spirit. He knew what was going on. Fuego. This is fire. <laughs> he pushed himself off the wall. He had a shake. He said, in the name of Jesus, my brother, Walk. He took a step, he took another, he took another, he took another, as the paralysis was overcome, because paralysis has to bow at the name of Jesus. He went out of his front door, he walked to the end of his street, he turned round, he walked straight back up the street, everybody whose house we hadn't visited at that moment was looking out of their towel, thinking what on earth is going on? That this is the power of Jesus at work here today. Do you know that right now in that area of Santiago del Estero, because of the things that happened that morning, there are six churches that have been planted there. And these churches are live, growing churches. Same Jesus. Same Jesus. Same Jesus. And tonight, if you don't know that Jesus as your Savior, tonight, if you don't know Him, that He's done this for you, tonight, if you've never accepted that sacrifice, tonight, if you're ready to put your trust in Him, I would ask you, we're just going to pray. This is step one. Step one. It's not the words, it's the heart. The words are here to help. 
it's the heart that receives. Tonight, if you are ready to do like Carlos did, to surrender your heart to this, to this Jesus who loves you, who will never let you down, who you could never, ever exhaust coming to, the one who will never turn his back on you. Tonight, if you are ready to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your heart, to invite him to be your saviour, I'm going to ask you, will you pray with me? I'm going to ask everybody else, would you pray with me to support them? Can we please just stand? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I'm just going to start to pray. I'm going to leave a gap when I've said the first lines. I'm going to ask you to pray along with me. Like I said, friends, it's not the prayer. It's the heart. It's the heart. Every heart that seeks the Lord, the Lord will not turn you away. The Bible says that when we ask Him, it's the same power that raised Christ from the dead that comes and dwells within us. Tonight, open your heart. I urge you, I plead with you. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, tonight if you're having a revelation of who He is, tonight if you're having a revelation of what happened at the cross, open your heart to Him. Open your heart and surrender. Let's just pray together now, shall we? We say, Lord Jesus, thank you for what you've done on the cross. I thank you that you've paid the price of my sin. That you died my death. You paid my debt. Thank you, Jesus, that death could not hold you that you are alive. I ask you now, come, sit on the throne of my heart. I surrender. I give it to you. Thank you, Lord, that your word tells us that now I'm a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, just as we are here right now, you're amongst friends. You're amongst friends. Tonight, if you've prayed that prayer, tonight, if you're asking Jesus, come, live in my heart, sit on the throne of my heart. Tonight, you're asking him, you see, the Bible tells us this. It says that, that if we confess Jesus before man, that he will confess us before his Father in heaven. But if we don't, he won't. I'm going to ask you to take a bold step. That if you've prayed that prayer with me tonight and you've meant it, I'm going to ask you to leave your seat and just come down here. 